Tonight is March the 1st, 2017. Uh, the title of tonight's message is My Pleasure. My Pleasure. Let's turn to Luke chapter 12 and verse 32. Luke 12 and verse 32. I want to recap a little bit of what, of what we just heard during our worship time. Uh... Man, our worship is always so encouraging to me. It was encouraging for me to see Nolan up here on the, on the stage. That was good stuff. Brenton, laying it down on the harmonica. Love that. I love what God's doing um, through our worship time, through what the body collectively brings to it. The words that came forth tonight, you remember what they were? They were about us laying down certain things us unpacking this burden off of our shoulders, of us, of us turning. The one that particularly is still, I have to be honest, as a pastor is a little troubling to me, and I hope that whoever this was for understands that this is a word from the Lord and you are able to, uh, um, to yield your life to what God is saying to you, was the one about the picture that Cassidy had about the bags that are packed and the hands that are full of suitcases. That's why they can't go up. Um, I hope that you understand that these are given to us. When the Lord speaks a word to us, um, either through prophecy in tongues, either through scriptures, through pictures, through songs, whatever it may be, that the Lord is, is moving from the heavens to get our attention. So that if, we have, if this is reflective of you, this idea that you've already decided to do something that you know is not the Lord, uh, I implore you, you won't be able to do this and escape the guilt that comes with it because the Lord is telling you in advance. He's giving you warning, not because He's harsh, but rather because He actually loves you and He doesn't want to have to punish you for you doing something that is willful sin. I hope that burdens you. If, this is, if that word is not for you, I hope you heard it and I hope it burdens you. Maybe it's because I'm a pastor. That troubles me to no end. For me to, to brush by it as if it was just a little comment, oh, well, Cassidy just came up with that. No, Cassidy heard that from the Lord. It's worth us taking just an extra minute and saying, this was the Lord for you. Whatever it is that you need to repent of, tonight you need to do that. Right now you need to do that. We're in such an incredible church that we hear from the Lord often. I've never been a part of a church that hears from the Lord and gets the revelation that this church does. I've been a part of large churches, very large churches, what, I, what we'd call in our society mega churches. <laughs> Nothing like this church. I would take this church a hundred times over before I'd go do a mega church again. Not because I'm against them, but because I'm so for us. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 32, it says this. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He's been pleased to give us the kingdom. What does that mean? We have a group right now in Turkey. Uh, somewhere around, I guess, 13,000 miles away, something like that, on the other side of the world here. Um, could you put up uh, some of the pictures that we have here? We'll just go through the pictures. <laughs> here is Eric with random guy that has a pretty cool beard, so they connected on their beards. By the way, everybody in Turkey, um, you can think what you want of us as a church. Everybody's connecting with our guys, A, because they're Americans, B, because they have giant, crazy, awesome beards. And C, because they all, have, uh, they're all smoking uh, incense before the Lord, having some cigars as they, as they are going about. Um, it literally is opening up every conversation, every door that you can imagine. It's almost like God has these things planned out for us in advance. Amen. So th I, I love that guy. Um, these, these are, this is, I think this is where they're staying. I think this is the courtyard or the plaza in the hotel that they're staying. You see our guys... 
uh, enjoying the word. Uh, the guy in the left corner with the colorful uh, jacket there right next to Nick is one of our friends from the church in Romania, from Dennis Pence's church. Um, we have two Romanians with our team, uh, which is pretty great. You can go on to the next picture. Uh, these are the guys in the, in the marketplace just kind of walking through, enjoying this. It's one thing to look at it and you go, oh, man, I didn't know these guys were kind of on a vacation. No, these, these are exploring where where Nick and Judah are going to be living within the next few years. Where we're finding out exactly where God has for them. They're learning the culture and these different types of things. Next picture. Uh, found some guitar, a guitar shop. I think they even picked up a guitar so that they can kind of worship. Uh, they're going to be going into refugee camps. The Syrians, they're about, uh, is it 60 kilometers from the border, Baj, something like that? Okay. So where they are now is about 60 miles off the border. Uh, these refugee camps are right across the Syrian border in Turkey. And that's where they're going to be going. It's about eight or nine hours ahead right now. So today for them, um, they're already moving out in these places and trying to get there. So they have a guitar so they can worship and uh, just see what the Lord's going to do there in the refugee camps for this, the Syrian refugee camps there in Turkey. Um, the guy who's sitting in between Judah and Peyton is a guy named Daud. And he, was a, he is a Syrian refugee that they met who actually speaks in wonderful English. And so they've been, he's, he's become kind of an interpreter for them. He's one of the group. He's hanging out with them wherever they go. And the Lord's doing some things there. Um, this is a close-up of Dowd and Nick, obviously. It's amazing. Wherever you are, what we have, the Lord has delighted. Don't be afraid, little flock, for the Lord has been pleased to give us the kingdom. Just, just stop for a second and, and, and divorce those words from the fact that you've heard them before. Detach it from the idea that, you, that it's easy enough to comprehend the words that I just said from Luke chapter 12. And put it in context of the Lord is pleased to give you the kingdom, the people, the lives, the areas that these men are going into, that our church is going into. This is an incredible thing. The Lord cares about Dowd. He cares about him enough that he orchestrated our little church from Sugarland, Texas, to travel, I said 13,000, it's probably more like nine or 10,000 now that I think about it, but halfway across the world and sent them out of all the places they could have gone, they met this guy in the town square. Man. Would that matter if you were that guy? Does it matter to you that what we're doing and what we're talking about impacts people like him? Let's go on to the next. Um, oh, do we have any video of this? I mean, audio? Fire. The fires came up with water. The woods came up with fish. And the lake is a Shamur There's a fish there. The idea of that video is it looks like they're just sitting around a table talking, and then you hear the Azam going off, which is a normal. Uh, thing that happens every few hours there. It's, it's an oppressive sound. I don't know if you can tell from that, from that uh, audio track, but it dominates everything that goes on in that entire region. That is that demonic call that tries to keep people under oppression. That is what is happening, and I love the fact that our friends are there. I love the fact that we are there as a church. Um, I wanted to show you this map. Uh, I asked Pastor Matt to help me out, and he did a map. I realize you can't see all the specifics of it, but I wanted to show you just conceptually. When we say, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is pleased the Lord to give you the kingdom, this map shows you one association churches that are now active. Okay? So you have North America. We have all the one association churches. We have New Life down in Victoria with Pastor Eric Treister. We have LCM right here. We have King's Harvest Fellowship in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which I talked to Pastor Justin last night. And those of you know Pastor Justin, you know that that was not a short conversation. <laughs> at 2.30 two this morning, I'm like, bruh, I love you. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm wearing out, man. No, just one more thing. Amen. Good. One more thing. Submission Ministries, right outside of Washington, D.C. in Gainesville, Virginia. Talked to Pastor Zeke yesterday. Things are going incredibly well in each of the One Association churches. The northernmost one there in the United States is our friends at the Arising Church in Crystal Lake right outside of Chicago. 
You can't tell, but there's a pen there in Matamoros, Mexico, where we go. We have a pen down in Peru. We have the Brassos that are getting ready to launch as soon as we can get them there, as soon as the Lord actually releases that and sets a date. We already have some works there that we're, we're supporting, but we're going to have our own people there in Peru. So we have North America, South America. We have Europe with our friends in Romania. We have Asia with Turkey. By the way, uh, Pastor Eric sent a video, and they were on a bridge that crosses from Europe. One side of the bridge is Europe. The other side of the bridge is Asia. It happens in Istanbul. It's actually kind of the dividing line between the two continents. They travel over a body of water there. I don't remember it right now, and, and they get it. So we have Europe and Asia. Uh, we have Kenya right there around the equator. We have Anne and Israel in India. By the way, if you guys could join, add this to your prayer list, Christy and I have applied to try to get a visa to get into India for this year. So if you'll just pray that we are not denied. We're trying to get a 10-year visa so that once they give it to us, we can go whenever the Lord needs us to. But we have Anne in Israel who's planted over 20 churches there in India that we support monthly, that we visit yearly. And then our friends now in Indonesia. So we have north of the equator, south of the equator. We have the western hemisphere, the eastern hemisphere. We have North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa. Um, from our church, my friends. I'm not going to count Antarctica because that's uninhabitable. So I'm like, we're almost on every continent in the world. We're almost there. I guess we've got to have somebody in here that needs to be called to Australia or something. And then we will have all the inhabited continents of the world from this room, folks. Come on now. The four corners of the earth that God is sending out from this room. <laughs> Could you look again at Luke chapter 12 and verse 32? Do not be afraid, little flock. Don't be afraid, my friends. Don't be afraid that somehow God has forgotten you. Don't be afraid that you have done too many things and now God cannot use you. Don't be afraid that you are now too old or too young or too whatever and God has passed you by. Don't be afraid that the circumstances in your life are just too tough. Don't be afraid, little flock. It says, For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He's going to give it to you. What we experience in our worship services, He's giving us the kingdom on earth. I was just overwhelmed with this idea. Not only that God is going to give it to us, not only that we're supposed to avoid fear in our life. What I tried to communicate earlier when I read Isaiah 59 to you during worship was this. Well, pastor, I'm, I'm not really, it's not, you know, I'm not going out and sinning. When you walk around in fear, you're sinning. When you walk around and your insecurities overwhelm you, you're sinning. But I'm not, yeah, yeah, you really are. The lack of faith that we demonstrate, it cannot please God, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. I'd rather you do something wrong, technically, and do it out of faith. That'll put you in a much better situation than waiting for everything to be so right that you never actually act. The last sermon that I did in Indonesia when you're, when you're trying to speak different languages and not sure of who your interpreter is going to be, literally I tried to boil the sermon down to one word, and it was go. We want to wait until God makes us strong before we go, and we know in this church that God makes us strong as we go. What are you waiting on? Are you waiting on something in your life? Are you blessed to see a map, but truthfully in your own life you, you've been overwhelmed in certain areas? I have a direction tonight, but I want to be very, very sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do right now. 
I would apologize for crying, but it'll happen again, so. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Can you turn to Ephesians chapter 5 with me in verse 10? Ephesians 5 and verse 10. Actually, start in verse 8 so we can put it in context. Ephesians 5, 8. Everybody there? For you were once darkness. Would you please notice with me that that does not say you were once in darkness? I was in darkness. Yes, that's true. This verse actually says you were once darkness. It was actually your character and your DNA. It was in what you were. You were darkness. You weren't just in darkness. It wasn't just the circumstances around you that were a bummer. And you somehow were actually in the wrong place at the wrong time. You were once darkness. But, everybody say but. But now you are light. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say you're in the light. It says you're now light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And look at verse 10. And find out what pleases the Lord. You know what pleases the Lord? For Him to give us the kingdom. What else, what else though? We're supposed to find out. The idea of the law given through Exodus 20 throughout that story is what? We know that the, um, that the Mosaic law that the, was a covenant of? Love. It was a covenant of love. We look at, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And we're like, how is that a covenant of love? Because God is trying to say, hey, I'm the great husband here. I am God, your God. And it's to your advantage to know what I like and what I don't like. It will do you better to know what I like as God and what I don't like. That way you can do what pleases me. Because when you do what pleases me, then I can shower my favor upon you. I can shower my power upon you. I can shower my presence upon you. So it is to your advantage, it is to my advantage to find out what pleases the Lord in every way possible. Lord, what pleases you? Does this attitude that I'm exerting right now, does that please you, Lord, or does it not? I just want to find out. There are some things that are big picture. I know that if I sin, I know that that doesn't please you. Yes, this is true. But we're not just trying to stay away from what might displease him. This verse doesn't say, find out what displeases the Lord and stay away from it. It says, find out what pleases him. There are so many, you know, excellent spouses in here. But I think I got the best one in the room. She's back with the kids now, so I can brag on her because she's not in here. It is, a, it, is, it is a blessing to no end when my wife just knows me. And like ahead of time, before I asked for anything, presented whatever it was. What did you need? She brought me a sandwich because I'm a sandwich kind of guy. Just simple. Just give me a sandwich. It makes me happy. Right? Just bed was made. Living room was clean. Hey, man. It's not a big deal. I'm not treating my wife like a, like a servant. I actually didn't ask her to do it. What I did was she knows me and she knows that it pleases me to have certain things done. I'm actually an easy, I'm like low maintenance kind of guy. I don't need a bunch of stuff, right? I just need things simple, just nice and easy. But it's so great when my wife just, she knows me. Wives, when your husband works really hard and actually, you know, goes over the top, has the breakfast in bed. Why? Just because you're beautiful and you're my wife. Amen. Just because we know what pleases... This is exactly what we're supposed to do with the Lord. Now, this word for please. I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, kind of write it over here. It's Hebrew 75.22. The word is racin. It's a resh. It is a, I'm going to have to look. <laughs> All right. I was just kidding. I thought I could do it on top of my head. That's what it was. It was a sade. 
a vav, and a nun. A resh, a sade, a vav, and a nun. So, the fun part about Paleo-Hebrew is that they have a meaning behind the pictures, right? The resh is a man's head. A sade is a picture of a path or a journey. The vav is a tent peg. So it's to add or secure. And the noon is this little symbol. Which is funny in the ancient world that that would be the symbol that means the sun. Incredible, right? So what do we have here from the, from the word that we're talking about that means when we find God's good pleasure, what is it, what is it helping us to do? It's helping us to begin a journey to add or secure us to the sun. Right, just from looking at the definitions of the word, we have extra charts, by the way, if you need another chart. We've gotten some more recently. We'd love to hand some more out to you. But this word here is telling us that it's this help us to begin the journey to secure us to the sun. It's finding out what pleases him so that we can be attached to him and secured in him. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 16. Deuteronomy 33, actually let's start in verse 13. Deuteronomy 33, 13. About Joseph, he said. Now there's a passage at the end of Genesis that gives us a blessing of each of the tribes. And it's also recounted in a different way at the end of Deuteronomy. So in Deuteronomy 33, 13, it says, About Joseph, he said, May the Lord bless his hand with the precious dew from heaven above and with the deep waters that lie below. With the best the sun brings forth and the finest the moon can yield. With the choicest gifts of the ancient mountains and the fruitfulness of the everlasting hills. With the best gifts of the earth and its fullness and the favor of him. The, the thing that very, pleases, very much pleases the Lord, the favor of him who dwelt in the burning bush. Did you catch that? L listen to the way it says that. Best gifts of the earth and his fullness and the favor of him who dwelt in the burning bush. That's kind of an interesting way to say that the presence of the Lord will be upon him. The favor of the Lord. Why? It's saying that the favor of the one who dwelt in the burning bush. As far as I know, this is the unique way that this is said out of all the scripture. This way. Yet another name that we can put on God is the one who dwelt in the burning bush. What, what happened to the burning bush? Moses was called. It was a bush that was being set on fire, but not being consumed. That caused other people to stop. Namely Moses, in this case, to stop and look and inquire of what was going on. It caused Moses to stop and look and see what was pleasing to the Lord. It made him come over there, and it drew him, and then the Lord spoke to him. This idea of the one who dwells in the burning bush. Turn with me really, uh, really quickly to Numbers chapter 35. Numbers 35, just back a few pages here. And verse 34. It says this, Do not defile the land where you live and where I dwell. Don't defile the land where you live and I dwell. One is talking about where you live as a temporary word. And where I dwell, this is what the Lord is saying. Hey, I dwell here. This is my place that I am intertwined with. When it says that the Lord dwelled in the burning bush, it's the same word that's used here. He's not just there. He's not just hanging out and then go somewhere else. He's actually showing us that this concept of the burning bush is where God dwells. He's intertwined who he is with this kind of experience where he can set men's hearts afire and they're not consumed. They're not burned up and wasted away. They're actually set on fire. And it does something incredible. It starts moving on other people. It's almost like he's telling us, don't be afraid I've been pleased to give you the kingdom. I've been pleased to set you on fire. And yet you will not be consumed or burned. Whether it's the three Hebrew children in the book of Daniel, whether it's Moses in the book of Exodus, whether it's us today, the idea that he's going to set you on fire, but you not be consumed. Now, I don't know about you guys. This is a nice concept, right? 
Have you, have you ever felt like you were on fire? Ever, ever felt, have you ever heard phrases like, been running around like my hair's on fire? That's usually not meant to be a good thing. You're not expressing, hey man, I've got it all under control. You're like, ah! Right? You're just running. I don't even know where I'm running. Yeah, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm running so much, I don't know whether I'm coming or going. Anybody ever felt that way? Anybody ever felt that way this week? Yeah? All right, just checking. We're trying to move. We're trying to do this. We're trying to go here. <laughs> Kids and people and husband. and Okay. I understand. What the Lord is trying to do is get us to pour out our lives so much, right? Remember these sermons that we've been in lately? Devil in the deep blue sea. What we're supposed to do. We're supposed to, we're supposed to have this idea that, that God is saying, hey, why are you crying out to me? Go forward with what I've told you to do. We talked about stepping it up to bring our offerings before the Lord. To step, to add to your faith, goodness and goodness, knowledge and knowledge and on and on. Buddy taught us to hold firm. Nick taught us about wasted libations. Pouring out something that's valuable to the Lord. Judah talked about the anchor for the soul. We talked about be done with it. That we're supposed to pour ourselves out. Turn, to Psalm, turn with me to Psalm chapter 62. Just as a reminder... Psalm 62. And we're going to start in verse 5. Psalm 62, 5 says this. Find rest, O my soul. Everybody say rest. rest. You like that word? I love that word. I don't get much of it, but I like that word. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. I work really hard in my life not to read scriptures and just glaze over it like, hey, I know what this says. Here's what, here's what I'm trying to do in my life. He alone is my rock and my fortress. Lord, I want that to be the case. I know it conceptually. Well, what does that mean in my everyday? Does, does every day of my life, do I, am I showing you that you're my rock? That you're my salvation? That you're my fortress? I will not be shaken. Lord, do I ever stand in front of a situation and start to shake and tremble? Because if I do, then I need to remind myself of this because I'm not supposed to be shaking. In Hebrews 12, it says the same concept. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us so worship God with reverence and awe. We've got to worship Him acceptably. Why? When we're in worship, if you're thinking about yourself, you've missed the whole point of worship. I sing because you are good and I dance. The reason that we can sing or dance or shout or clap or anything else is because He's good. Not because we're feeling fantastic in the moment. Not because I'm feeling strong in the moment. That actually has zero to do with it. I sing because He's good. I dance because He's good. And, and the more that you let that wash over you in your everyday life, not only when music is playing, because that's not only time that worship happens. Worship happens when you're in your car. Worship happens when you're at work. Worship happens when things are difficult and you choose to go, hey man, Lord, you're good. I just got punched square in the face by that situation. I think I got a bloody lip, as a matter of fact. That hurt. Praise God. Lord, I love you. I'm not being silly. I'm not being religious. I'm saying, Lord, I choose to remind myself that you're good. And that if you're good, and that if you've set things out hundreds of years in advance, that I don't have to be afraid that, you won't get, that I won't be taken care of. I won't have to be afraid that there won't be enough money in my bank account. I don't have to be afraid that I will somehow be left out in God's great scheme. I don't have to be afraid of those things because He alone is my rock. I have no other choice. I've put all my eggs in this basket. This is all I got. My salvation. He's my fortress. I will not be shaken. Next verse. My salvation and my honor depend on God. <laughs> I have nothing else in reserve here, people. Either God's going to work with me, and I'm saying this personally, you know, not just speaking on behalf of everyone. I'm just saying in my life, this is either going to work out for me as a Christian or I'm going to be the biggest flop on the planet. This, uh, I, I got nothing else. I don't want to do anything else. I'm not made to do anything else. This is what I got. Good, bad, or otherwise. This is what it is. 
My salvation and my honor depend upon God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Come on, that should give you a... should give you the feeling that you can exhale now. You ever get so tense that you forget to exhale? Just... That spirit that's in us that just causes us to be at peace when everything else around us is swirling. This is what I want for us tonight because we don't have to be afraid. Little flock. What a term of endearment. It's not a term of of insult. It's a term of endearment saying, Hey guys, you're my flock. I'm the shepherd. I'll never let anything happen to you. As a matter of fact, I have things that I want to give you, but I can't give them to you when you're focused only on yourself. You've got to look up at me Trying to make eye contact with somebody? You ever try to make eye contact with somebody so long you're like, you're trying to use mental telepathy or something? Look at me. Okay, you haven't. I have. <laughs> Look at me. The Lord's doing the same thing to us. Would you just look at me? Would you just get your eyes off of what you're focused on? Your little patch of grass right there, your little lamb? I love you. But all you, all you can see is this little patch of grass. And sheep have a tendency of just keep, they only eat what they can see and they'll just veer off. That's why the Bible says we're like sheep. We all go astray. He's saying, get your eyes up. Don't worry about what you're worrying about. Quit sinning by worrying. Quit sinning by having fear overcome you. Actually step up and have faith in the Lord. Let's turn to Ezra. Ezra chapter 10. The Lord is pleased to dwell with us, just like he dwelt in the burning bush. Ezra chapter 10 and verse 11. Uh, let's do 10, 10. Sorry, I keep doing that to you tonight, Susan. Then Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, You have been unfaithful. You have married foreign women, adding to Israel's guilt. So here's Ezra reaching out to the nation of Israel. They're saying, you guys have done, you've, you've, you've done something really upsetting here. Ezra had been crying before the Lord. They got a group of leaders and said, we have actually sinned greatly. We have, our people has mar- have married foreign women. Uh, yeah, so the faithful were marrying those that were unfaithful. And this was a huge problem. Look at verse 11. Now make confession to the Lord, the God of your fathers, and do His will. Separate yourselves from the peoples around you and from your foreign wives. The Lord is pleased to dwell with us. The Lord is pleased when we separate ourselves from the people around us. I don't mean the faithful ones in this church. I mean the unfaithful peoples that are around us, the unfaithful ones, the worldly people, even in our own natural family. It actually pleases the Lord. You know what they had to do? They were married and had kids. And you know what the Lord instructed them to do? Send away your wives. Send away those children. Is the Lord requiring something of us? Is the Lord requiring something of you that is just difficult to do? but it is the right thing to do. It's a huge sacrifice once you've decided that you've made a mistake, that you've done something wrong, and now the actual payment comes and you have to do, you know that the Lord is speaking to you and He's telling you to do something. How difficult, how much difficulty are you willing to go through? These people had to literally give up their wives and give up their children to get themselves back in right alignment with the Lord. My point tonight is not to advocate for you to divorce. My point tonight is that there is a separation that is required from the Lord and it may feel to you just like it's what these people had to do and put away their wives and kids. Whatever the cost, the Lord is pleased when we have a separation in our lives between us and the unfaithful. When we have a difference between us instead of being married to the way that the world does things, that we separate ourselves from that and that we are able to move into what God has, whatever the cost. 
you and I both know that there are plenty of people who will serve the Lord until it gets to whatever line of difficulty that they can't get past. I'll serve the Lord as long as He doesn't really ask me to do that. As long as I don't have to separate myself from this dream. As long as I don't have to separate myself from this goal. As long as I really don't have to separate myself from this little thing that I have over here that I know is not of God, that I know it's being unfaithful, that I have two bags packed, but I really don't want to separate myself from that. The Lord is pleased when we separate ourselves from that which is unrighteous. And we join ourselves completely to Him. You know, the rest of this chapter... Ezra ends with a list of the people, the men's names, who had married foreign women. It actually lists them by name, and that's kind of how the book ends. Ta-da! Great summation, right? Why? Because the Lord is, please, separate yourselves. Now make confession to the Lord, the God of your fathers, and do His pleasure, is what another translation says. This is the same word that's on the board. This is the same root that's here. Separate yourselves from the people around you and those that are unfaithful. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 5. Psalm chapter 5 in verse 11. It says this, But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, for those who love your name may rejoice that those who love your name may rejoice in you. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. Not just because we say we're righteous, but because we actually walk with righteous deeds. The Lord surrounds us with favor as if we have a shield. Let's turn to Psalm 147. 147 in verse 10. Psalm 147 in verse 10. says this, His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor His delight in the legs of a man. The Lord delights in those who fear Him. Everybody say, fear Him. Fear. The Lord delights He is pleased. It gives Him pleasure for those who fear Him, who put their hope in His unfailing love. Your fear of the Lord brings Him delight. It brings upon you His favor. Who put their hope in His unfailing love. Turn to Proverbs chapter 8. This is under the context of finding out what pleases the Lord. Each of these verses gives us a different picture of what is pleasing to the Lord. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 32. Proverbs chapter 8 is kind of a neat chapter. It's wisdom being personified. Wisdom is speaking. Wisdom is crying out. Wisdom is teaching about itself. Okay? And so we have Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 32. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Wisdom. Blessed are those who keep my ways. It's interesting because you can read this and you can really hear the voice of Jesus Christ calling out as well because he is the epitome of wisdom. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway, anticipating what he's trying to do, right? For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. This goes back to the principle of God wants us to find out what pleases Him. It's to your advantage to find out everything that pleases the Lord and never do anything that displeases Him. Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah chapter 49. And we're going to read verse 8. I was proud of my son tonight. He came up and he had a scripture uh, that he felt like the Lord had given him for the body. And I said, son, this is the exact verse that I'm going to preach on. So you get to go sit down now. (laughs) You are perfectly correct. You have accurately heard from the Lord. 
Amen. High five. Go sit down. <laughs> he was right. He's like, Dad, I really, I really feel like that, that the Lord is trying to tell us that now is the time for us to find God's favor. I was like, amen, son. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 8. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. Look at that. It's the time of God's favor. There's a timing on this. Everybody wants to walk around like God speaks to them 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Well, amen. I hope he does for you. But you know what most of us are required? You know what all of us are required to do? We're required to put our faith and trust in him and seek after him. And we show him our kingly nature by seeking after the Lord, by waiting for him at the doors when they're there, by anticipating, by, by calling out to him so that he can see that we are sincere in our pursuit. And then at the right time, in the time of his favor, he answers us. I know a lot of people who've been praying for whatever their topic is and they just decide that they've waited long enough. They've sacrificed enough and they never really find an answer from the Lord. They just kind of back off from that and just choose their own path and go their own way. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. Not only is salvation as a universal concept of Christianity, but he'll just save you from whatever trouble you're in. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritances, to say to the captives, come out and to those in darkness, be free. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Y'all still with me? Stay with me here. Matthew chapter 11, let's look at verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden. Everybody say hidden. hidden. If God has hidden things, we know Proverbs 25 too. It's to the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's to the glory of kings to search it out. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. <laughs> Come on, that should encourage you. You don't have to be a scholar for the Lord to speak to you. Nobody in here would, would be eligible for that then. He reveals it to the little children. It pleases Him. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. It was God's plan the whole time. Verse 27, All these things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal. And then it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It pleases the Lord to hide things from those who seem like in the world that they should know it and reveal it to those what? Not only little children, but those who have pure hearts, who have purified their walk with the Lord and are just trusting in Him and said, You know, I don't have anything else to rely on. I rely on you, Lord. The younger the child, the more they rely on the parent. What makes an infant so exhausting? Because mom has to be on, on call 24 hours a day. I mean mom and dad, of course. Hey, it's mom. We all know it, right? Mom has to be on call 24 hours a day. The older that a child gets, the less the parents have to have every minute of every day involved in this. While you're, while you're at it and you're just praying for people, pray for the moms of young babies in here. Just pray for them. Be an encouragement to them. Pray for Haley Adarmas. Pray for Alicia Clement. Amen. Moms who are taking care of babies that, are, that have, uh, need, need, need some special attention. Pray, pray for them. Pray for Natalie Mullock. Pray for these moms. Pray for all of the moms in here. Why? God hides it from the wise and the learned, and He reveals it to those who understand how to be pure of heart. It's God's good pleasure to do this. Let's look in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 is a parallel passage to what we just read, but I want to show you the difference between these two passages. Luke chapter 10 and verse 21. Parallel passage, right? So it's going to sound very similar. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. How is he full of joy? Amen. 
said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now, this is the different part. Then he turned to the disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. He's telling them how special that this revelation is. He's telling them, hey guys, there have been a lot of people who would love to be in a church like this. There, would be a, there, would be a, there have been a lot of people who would love to be part of a group that has someone on almost every continent in the world. Every hemisphere, the four corners of the earth. There are a lot of people who would like to see the revelation that goes on, but they haven't been able to see it. This is something special. Turn to 1 Peter, uh, keep your place here in Luke, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. says this concerning this salvation the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the spirit of christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of christ and the glories that would follow it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but god is revealing to these godly men of the past that they weren't only doing things that they were doing for themselves We're doing it for the doubts of the world. We're not just serving ourselves or for ourselves. In this case, these men were serving God and it's benefited us. Who is supposed to be benefited from us serving the Lord? I don't know. If we continue to walk in His pleasure, we'll find these things out. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have been preaching, uh, who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. What an interesting thing to say. The angels are kind of, their interest is peaked here and they're going, wait God, so you want to use them? I mean, we're angels. I mean, you know, like, we can do some stuff. One angel killed 185,000 men. Angels are pretty powerful dudes. Do you want to use Ella? Treester? I might be able to see how you can use Ella Treester, but do you want to use Justin Linton? Really? Do you want to use that group of people there at LCM in Sugarland? Do you want to use that group? As a matter of fact, I do. He's piqued the interest of the heavenly realms because he's using those of us who are weak and, and not noble and, and broken and unwise. He's using us to accomplish great things. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31 tells us that. that that's the one. Not many of you, brothers, were wise. Not many of you were, were special. Not many of you were noble. But what I've done is I've chosen the weak things of the world, the, the broken things of the world, to confound those that are wise, to confound those that are strong. Yes, this is God's plan. He's revealed it through the church. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Sorry. Sorry. I usually have a soundtrack playing in my head, so that just snuck out. God has chosen the church. I have many friends in many different organizations. You know what the problem with most of those organizations are? They're trying to say that the church can't do it, that they need to help and do something different. When you have a group of people that decides that they don't want to be a church, but wants to try to act like a church, then you've got a problem. He's chosen us. This is the thing that the angels are longing to look into. Just a few more verses. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And verse 5. Say there when you're there. In love, 
he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Why did he choose us? Because it was in accordance with his pleasure and his will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us and the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. If the Lord is lavishing something, isn't that a great word? Lavished. When a little kid hops up in your lap and just lap and just kisses you on your cheek, just lavishing love. The way a mom reaches out to a sweet new little baby and just kisses them all over their head. Lavishing his love. When God pours it out, he lavishes us because it pleases him. It's to his pleasure. Verse 9, And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. There it is again. Which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. (laughs) It pleases God to reveal his will to us. That revelation is something that pleases him. When we actually seek after it, when we put ourselves in a righteous state, when we go after it with all that we have, not getting it all, but we keep going, Lord, show us more. Clarify this revelation. What is it that you have not only for me, but I'm not just serving me, I'm serving others. Lord, how can I do And how can I be a part of your plan? Because I'm not the center of this story. There's other things. There's other people that are counting on me. Lord, show me what your plan is. Good God, if you don't even know what you're supposed to be doing, how in the world are you going to ever understand how you fit in with everybody else? How are you going to ever understand the bigger picture of what the church is designed to do? How are you ever going to fit in to know what this church is designed to do if you don't have any clarity on what anything what God has made you to do? Come on, that's, that's, that's the first step. Let's seek after the Lord so that He can speak to us and we have clarity on what He has created us to be. That's just the first step. And then we see, Lord, if you've made me this way, then surely there's, I'm not just doing this for me, I'm doing this for other people. It matters how I serve the Lord because I need to help Randy. And Randy needs to help me. And Gabriel needs, we're all interplaying against each other because we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of things to do. We're spread out all over the globe. Man, I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss my part in this, in this plan. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And verse 12. It says this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out. Everybody say work out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That same fear of the Lord that we read about in Psalm 147. And the hope that he gives us. Fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. You know what that word there, good purpose is? Same word as good pleasure. He wants to cause you to will. When we put ourselves in Christ, he gives you the desire to fulfill his will, and then gives you the ability to fulfill his will. He makes you want to and makes you be able to. Boy, that would be rough if it was just one way or the other. He makes me be able to do it, but I don't want to. Well, I mean, I might not. I really want to really bad, but I can't. Half of us live in that tension. Man, I really want to serve the Lord, but I, I just don't think that I can. Shame on you. The Word of God says... It is God who works in you. If God is at work in you, how can you not fulfill what he's putting you to, before you? How is that possible? Oh, it's not. Unless we're not walking in his good pleasure. If he's working in me, I'm going to trust that even though I don't feel like it. Can I tell you how many days I feel inadequate to be a pastor? Um, that would be every day. <laughs> But I don't go by my feelings. Amen. Do you know what? It, call after call after call after person after person. You're like, hey man, Lord, you got to do something here. Because they need you. So, help a brother out. 
I don't get up here before you pretending like I know what know everything. I, I am pursuing him with all my heart. I am pursuing him with a righteous standard. What you see is, unfortunately, and fortunately, what you get. I know that it's God working in me, so I'm not afraid to go there. I'm not afraid to go anywhere in the world and do what he asked me to do. You know why? Because it's him that's working in me. He's going to will and cause me to act according to his good purpose or his good pleasure. What about you? We... <laughs> We have to shed the idea of all these insecurities and fears that we, have, that we hold on to. Dear God, that's the most crippling thing for our society. may not be that way everywhere in the world, but it sure is that way here. We're either so wrapped up in sin that we're tainted and we can't hear from the Lord, or we're just walking in fear and we won't hear from the Lord. Stop it. I'm not asking you to be bold and, and confident in your own strength. Just try harder. I'm saying find out what the Lord has got for you. It is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So you know the only outcome that we can have? Can you put up that verse on the, on the screen there for me? For it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. You know the only solution, that the only logical outcome for this verse is that you should be willing and acting according to his good purpose. Because he's working in you. That's the, only, that's the only outcome that this verse can bring. Turn to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12. Whoa, that was fast, Rob. Revelation 22. Twenty-two twelve says this. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who have washed their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. This is Jesus Christ speaking here at the end of the story, saying, this is what pleases me. I'm coming soon and my reward is with me. I am pleased to give to you according to what you've done. And it can make you nervous if you're not doing anything. But if you're doing what he tells you to, if you're willing and acting according to his good pleasure, this should excite you. When your dad is coming home and, and you've cleaned the house the way you're supposed to, you're glad for dad to get home. Now, if you haven't done it, when that car pulls in the driveway, you're running around with your hair on fire. You're, you're, you're praying that God will give you another 10 minutes that he gets on a phone call and can't come in. This is not how it is with Jesus. We know that he's coming. We know that we're working every day to please him. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Last verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Tonight we've looked at law, prophet, writing, older and newer testament to understand so that we can fulfill what Ephesians 5.10 says and find out what pleases the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 11. Um, that should be 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 11. I don't think there is a 1 Thessalonians 1.11, huh? Sorry, 2 Thessalonians 1.11. I wrote that down wrong. Verse 11, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling. My prayer for us tonight is that God count you worthy of his calling and that by his power, he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. This is an interesting verse. If you look at this across different translations, here's what you're going to find. NIV says, may fulfill by his power, he may fulfill every good purpose of yours. If you look at the complete Jewish Bible, it says something similar to that. If you start looking at others, the Amplified says that, that he may fulfill every good purpose. You're not quite sure who, whose purpose is. Is it every good purpose that he's giving us or every purpose that you intend? And then they have translations that actually show it the other way. That it's his purpose that he's going to make sure that it's accomplished in you. So I have translations that literally say it three different ways. One is our purpose. One they're not really sure they don't want to commit to a way. And one that really says that it's God's purpose. Here's my takeaway from this passage. 
I don't think it matters. If my delight is in the Lord and He gives me the desire of my heart, you know what it is? My will, my pleasure, I've been so seeking after His pleasure that I know exactly what He likes and His pleasures have now become my pleasures. Then it doesn't matter whose pleasures it was. Of course it's His pleasures. But they're mine also. So I can say this verse either way I want and I know that it's right because why? I've lost myself in Him. I've delighted myself in the Lord. I found what pleases Him and that now pleases me. That's the whole point. So that we can find out what pleases Him. Do not be afraid, little flock. It pleases the Lord that He's given us the kingdom. He wants to do this for us. And so when we know that we're saying, and Lord, we need Your kingdom, we want it here, we want it active inside of us, when we have these desires and pleasures in us that reflect His, then we can say with this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may count you worthy of His calling and that by His power, He may fulfill every good purpose of yours. Amen, because mine is His anyway. I don't want anything that's outside of Him anyway. So that way He can fulfill my good purposes. Amen, and I don't have any desire to claim them because they're His. And every act prompted by your faith. That's why we have to fight fear so hard. That's why we have to get away from insecurities or sin. Why? Because when we're acting and prompted by faith, then He responds to us. Would you stand with me tonight? It pleases God to, to have us separated from what the, world, the way the world does things. It pleases God that you do not look like the world around you. That is, a, that is a pleasure to Him. He delights in that. It is pleasing to the Lord that you don't run your family the way that everybody else runs their family. You actually have a standard that's derived from Scripture and you run your family that way. You run your household that way. You run your own heart that way. You run your own life that way. Brent and Teresa have had the opportunity. They have a, a person who comes in and helps them uh, do some cooking, goes out and, and gets food from the local stores and helps them cook. I mentioned, to, mentioned um, her to you the other day. Her husband, what I didn't know was her husband had already signed the piece of paper that said that they were divorced. In that culture, he signs a piece of paper, marriage is done. The end. They went over to Brendan Teresa's house. They came over for dinner. The husband and the wife. I guess the ex-husband in there. Whatever. You know what I mean. They came over and Brent and Teresa said, this is what Scripture says. This is what Scripture says. These were, this is a Muslim family. He had been going to the imam and that's who they had done it through. That's who he had signed the certificate of divorce through. And they said, if you're coming into our house, we're going to be very hospitable, but here's what the Word says. Here's what the Word says. Here's what the Word says. This is what Jesus teaches us. This is what the Word says. This is what the Word says. Hours on end. You know what his response was? I wish I had come to you first. I've never heard anything like this. Your scriptures say that there's actually hope. The next day, he went down to the mosque and had them reinstate his marriage. What? I tell that to you because it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that a Muslim husband and wife went to Brendan Teresa's house and got remarried based on the power and the authority of the scripture. I could say it's ridiculous from a worldly perspective, but that is the kind of thing that angels long to look into. That's the kind of thing that pleases the Lord. There is no excuse. Brent and Teresa had plenty of excuses not to do what they did. The guy gets mad. He can pull. He can, I'm sure he knows people and they can get kicked out of the country. And they're, They didn't care. That's what they're there for. They are now willing and acting according to God's good pleasure and you're seeing lives begin to be healed. We need to continue to pray for that family because he is not yet saved. There's been a marriage that's been saved. They're, they are bought into what 
the Vincents are doing, but they're still, it's, they did not, he did not accept Christ. You know what that means? We have, a sal- we have a marriage saved, but a man who's still condemned, who stands opposed to God. And that's a great victory. We've, we've, got, we've taken step one. Amen. We're not done with this yet. What steps do you need to take to follow what the Lord is doing? What steps do you need to do to just stop being discouraged and go, Lord, let me throw off some of these things that I've gone on, just the weight, the confusion, the whatever. Lord, I just want to please you. Isn't it simple when we just kind of say it that way? Let's forget everything else. Are you pleasing the Lord, yes or no? Are you you striving to please the Lord every single day? Is the way that you handle your kids, is that pleasing the Lord? The way you talk to your spouse, is that pleasing the Lord? The way you're handling your finances, is that pleasing to the Lord? The way you're interacting with the church, is that pleasing the Lord? Doesn't it simplify things when you just think about it from that perspective? Sometimes we make things way too complicated. You don't need a degree from MIT. If you do, praise God. You don't need to be a professor. You just need to have one question that's in your heart. Lord, am I pleasing to you? Because I want to find out. Lord, Lord, show me how to please you. We're going to take communion here in just a minute. This communion is going to be a sign for us. He's told us what pleases him. He wants to reveal things to you. He wants you to stand before him in righteousness. He wants to have and have his presence dwell in your life. He wants to heal you. It pleases him to do all these things. It is in his very nature to hand you the kingdom. So if he's willing to do all of that, if our lives don't look like all of that, if we don't have revelation, if we don't have his kingdom at work and we're bringing the kingdom down here on earth, then the issue is not with him. The issue is with us trying to find out what pleases him so he can bestow these things upon us.